Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 206 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100, part two, episodes eight and nine, and also One Piece, where in one, you're a nigh-unstoppable psychic of immense power, and in the other, you're a sweet little rubber boy. You just gotta be a little, you just gotta be a little sweet, you just gotta be a little bit rubbery, and then somebody is gonna find you and sweep you up and give you the big gay wedding you've always wanted, right? That's how it works. That's how it works in your in your society, right, Blake? I don't know who told you that. Uh, you, how you, how you, you, that out? you did. No, I would never betray our confidence. Let's jump in. It was seriously difficult for me not to just say fuck damn instead of all the things <laughs> I'm supposed to say during the intro because... <laughs> Because of my because of my astounding song that I sang to you at the beginning, I I sang the song. Excuse. No, I I started it, and then you how you just you just picked up on it you. like you were you were a part of it. How not. dare you? Oh man! Hey, ooh. So, so hey, uh, in anime news this week, I only have one. I am to talk wounded. About. <laughs> In anime news uh, this week, bleach. there's only one fucking thing to talk about, and that is that <laughs> the new Bleach anime has dropped. Uh, the first it's episode. Did it's you, new. Did you watch it? I watched uh, maybe a cumulative minute of some amount of the first five or so minutes um, while I was sort of just idling bored for a few minutes before bed. But I did not. I just wanted to see what it looked like. I did not want to watch it just yet uh, because I I wasn't at a place like uh, it wasn't the time of day where I was able to like set aside time to watch a full episode. But I was like so curious mm-hmm. about just what the animation quality looked like that I watched a few minutes of it. I didn't actually get to any part that had Ichigo in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know if he shows up. I'm assuming he shows up at some point, but there was a lot of table setting at the beginning that he was not in. And, uh, but, you know, I thought it looked real nice. Yeah. It not only does it look fantastic, but it also has an amazing color palette that is so Kubo. And it's just like it. Even even the splash screens that cut in between where there are commercial breaks are beautiful. And the only thing that I will say as a downside of the first episode that I think I, I agree with a friend of mine that we were talking about it was that the the uh, the hollows that are shown in the very beginning of the first episode. It's um it it happens maybe five or ten minutes into it with the introduction the reintroduction of uh, some of our main characters, um, you will see some hollows and they are done with CG, and it it feels so out of place, and then you don't see it ever again inside of the episode. So I'm wondering if they they this this season is not about hollows. And I'm wondering if this was just like a big, 
like statement moment at the very start that was just like, there's going to be some CG at the very start, but it's really just to show you the scale of these things and have a really cool moment with the animation. And we don't feel like we have to animate these hollows because they're not important at all. They, they literally show a couple of hollows that are just the same exact hollow, which is a little bit, you know, a slap in the face to other hollows because the whole point is that your all of your souls are different, but when you turn into a hollow, you turn into your own monster. So it's that's a little bit weird and a little bit off the beaten path. However, I will say that the sign off from Kubo as a a director over the entire thing, where he was just like, "These are you know, these are important. I need to make sure that these are the way that things are going to be done inside of uh, inside of the anime." Um, I, I really could see it, and I really, really appreciated how how much work went into this first episode, and it makes me very excited for the rest of the season coming up. Yeah, I did not make it to the CG Hollows. I remembered you, I don't know if you put something in our Discord or what, but uh, I had remembered you mentioning that, and I was hoping to see that. Uh, I didn't, but uh, what I did see, again, it has that um, that almost hyper crispness that you get from a lot of modern anime where they're using using bright colors and and you know lots of contrast and in light and dark and um definitely this is sort of like something that i'm not educated on enough but it's my i'm aware of the fact that computer generated animation is being used more and more in both hand-drawn anime and in presumably hand-drawn anime so like i you know my go-to that i've watched a lot of recently is my hero academia i know that my hero academia is a hand-drawn anime that uses cg animation to enhance the fluidity and techniques there um i know that's true in like one punch man uh the first season of one punch man i believe it's true in uh what we watched today from mob psycho you know, see computers enhancing what hand-drawn artists are able to do uh, is becoming more and more prevalent. And it's leading to an era in which we're getting, you know, more and more instances of and more impressive versions of the high-quality animation Sakuga that everybody loves, uh, that animators are able to churn that out faster and with less effort so that instead of having those those episodes where the budget hits like we see in Naruto... Uh, you get that as a more of a constant through line because they're able to to cut corners in a way that creates a more exciting visual experience than that creates a wow they're cutting corners visual experience like what you get in uh, the older anime that we grew up with Um, and i think that there's a lot of that probably going on here and that the computer the cg that spencer is talking to is talking about is the more classic cg of like inserting something that is like a video game model into an otherwise hand-drawn or hand-drawn looking environment yeah isn't the same as sort of like enhancing your hand-drawn stuff with with cg and it really draws a lot of attention to itself because it looks like it was created in a different medium and like it is a different medium existing in the same one and we're being asked to believe that it looks like it's not out of place but it does look like it's out of place and it's off-putting um so 
even though I haven't seen it, I know I've seen that plenty of times. And uh, but I, I thought it was interesting. I, I don't know. I guess we talk so much about CG in anime being a bad thing that I wanted to acknowledge that, you know, I think we're both aware that CG is rather prevalent in modern anime and they've gotten much better at hiding it as part of the hand-drawn aesthetic, unless you're doing like a CG anime like Beastars or something like that, where the CG is kind of the point. But uh, when you sort of like cram completely computer generated models in there, instead of like enhancing hand-drawn work or however that process works, uh, it does still draw attention to itself. Like they've gotten so much better, but it still is just a different thing. And you just, you can just tell. Um, Yeah, man. Speaking of the big three, uh, I watched this Naruto thing. I was going to put this down in our notes, but I, I didn't get to it before uh, before we started recording today. But uh, so there's this thing. Um, it's called Road of Naruto, Naruto 20th Anniversary Trailer. This is something I have to look into more. <laughs> I watched it this morning. It is almost... 10 minutes long. Um, it is from Viz Media. It's on YouTube. Uh, and again, the title of it as a, I, is, is what I read. It is Road of Naruto. Then there's a vertical line um, separator. Then it's Naruto 20th Anniversary Trailer. Then a vertical line separating. And then Viz, which is V-I-Z, the name of the company, Viz Media. Viz Media is the YouTube channel. And the description of this is expressing gratitude to hashtag Naruto fans loyalty throughout the last 20 years. Hashtag Naruto 20th, hashtag Viz, hashtag anime. That is on YouTube. Uh, I think if you're a fan of Naruto, watch this. It's real good. Uh, It is basically a a highlight reel of sick-ass moments from Naruto uh, from the start of the series to the end of the series, that includes both Naruto and Shippuden. Uh, I wouldn't say it includes every sick-ass moment. They skipped basically all the cool fights in the Sasuke retrieval arc in order to get to just the fight between Sasuke and Naruto at the end. Uh, but it is... I was sitting there and I was like, is this some sort of like painstaking remaster of the original Naruto that's going to come out? And I don't... Th- think it is and i say that based off of the description of the video which is expressing gratitude for fans loyalty throughout the last 20 years but the title road of naruto naruto 20th anniversary trailer would indicate that it is for something and i i was like are they going to show some sort of like project coming up in 2024 or something at the end of the trailer. And they don't, it really is just a 10 minute highlight reel of sweet Naruto moments set to the tune of the intros from Naruto. Um, that said, if you like Naruto, this is just a highlight reel of really cool Naruto moments. And notably it's all done in a uniform style. It is basically the crisp, Sakuga or at least Sakuga adjacent of a really well-produced modern anime for 10 minutes. Even those moments that are older, you can tell they're, they're the same shots. I was looking at this through the lens of like somebody who's been watching Naruto and talking about it and maybe thinking about it more specifically over the last, you know, few years that we've been doing this podcast. And 
you can see that they're not they're not recreating these shots, but there are also like moments like when Gara's arm transforms into the sand demon arm as he's first transforming into his giant kaiju form. There's so much more going on than the first time. And so it's like it's really intriguing as like it's a lot of work to take these scenes over 10 minutes of video and retool them to be, you know, higher produced versions of themselves. Uh, And if it really is just supposed to be a little celebration of the series of Naruto, that's cool. Uh, And I think that's fine. But no, I'm just I was really intrigued by it and I don't know what's going on there. And maybe it's just a cool thing that you can watch. And I would say it is very cool and you can watch it. And I would recommend that you do so. But uh, I don't know if it I don't know if it portends anything else. Uh, I haven't had time to look into it. But again, based on the description, it doesn't sound like it is the lead in to some sort of Naruto re-release project. And based on the title, it kind of does. So I don't know what to think. But uh, if nothing else, it's really cool. If you like Naruto and the action scenes from it, then this is a really, you know, good way to spend 10 minutes just sort of jamming out to Naruto music while cool shit happens in front of you. Yeah, that's always that's always a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, And do you want to round out our discussion of the big three? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So here's the other thing we need to talk about. Pretty important. Uh, It's one piece. We need to talk about the fact that we 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 did We're not some doing page flips today. We're doing screen time. Yeah, we did some screen <laughs> time with uh, One Piece, the anime. Um, here's the problem with the original anime, <laughs> and Blake can probably see where I'm going to go here. Um, uh, yeah, I I guessed that this was going to be your review. <laughs> the 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 quality of the original anime is subpar compared to what we have gotten used to in the anime world of today. And, uh, by subpar, um, I, I don't, I don't mean to say that I, I think that it is, I think that it is one of those that is a different animation style. And so it looks dated. What I mean is that it is not as good a quality as other anime that were coming out at the same time as the original one piece. It, it, it really, really looks like it cut a lot of corners. Um, and I, I don't know specifically if that was because of the animation studio that was originally doing it. Um, but the, the way that I tell most people to experience one piece for the first time is that if you have to, like, if you have to um, just watch an anime instead of read the manga, sure, you should still experience One Piece. However, I do not think that it is high enough quality that you should skip the manga instead of reading the manga because Oda does such a beautiful job from beginning to end of the original manga up till today and it is the same style and the same quality that he begins with and ends with. And it is one of those things where I'm just kind of like, I I was, you know, honestly, I've, I've been let down before by watching old anime that I wanted to be better than they are. But this one is, you know, unfortunately, just one of those that 
with the t- with the time that it is from, it is is just kind of what it is, you know. Yeah, I do. Um, but <laughs> I had a much better experience with this than I was expecting. <laughs> so I think. Um, sorry, I'm trying to. I'm also trying to find this discussion that we were having. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I. I I've watched up to some point in the Arlong Park arc. And that's about 40 episodes deep, um, which I don't think I would have remembered exactly how far I'd gotten. But one of our people in Discord had mentioned that a lot of the times, based off of our discussion last week, when we talked about how One Piece has a certain charm to it, but also has a sort of slow start, and that the sort of gargantuan in the anime and manga and really literature space that one piece is now occupying uh, is a little hard to see from those first chapters. And we on our podcast make a point to read the first few chapters and watch the first few episodes because it's very common in anime for um there's this idea that a lot of the times you don't really get to it until about the third episode. Um, and so we always wanted to give that extra time past just the first episode or the first chapter, because a lot of the times that doesn't feel like a fair and full assessment of what is about to come or the table setting that the series is promising. Um, one piece takes so much time to set the table that that doesn't even begin to cover it. And so one one of our Discord people mentioned that you really shouldn't even decide whether or not One Piece is for you until you've watched through the Arlong arc, which is about 44 episodes of content, uh, which is a big ask. Um, I think there's probably got to be a better way to figure out if something is for you. And if you haven't been able to figure it out by 44 episodes in, uh, something is awry. And yet, I think that that suggestion is based off of the understanding that this author likes to take his time. He likes to really make a meal out of every moment. And so it's like, you're not, you know, I think about, I think about watching Digimon as a kid and it's like part of Digimon is their, their partner Digimon are going to evolve into their champion forms. And you've got your first episode where they go to the digital world. And then the next uh, six or seven, the next six episodes up to episode seven, is everybody in the group except one getting their champion form. Each episode, a new Digimon evolves to champion, and that's what we're doing. And it sort of becomes this mini arc that is about table setting, about who's on the team and what they can do. One Piece is doing that, but each character is sort of getting their own arc instead of their own episode. And so the table setting just takes forever. And in fact, by the end of Arlong Park, you haven't even really pulled together what's going to be like half of his crew. Um, And in fact people talk about characters that I don't know anything about nowadays. There's some skeleton guy and there's a dude with big arms and I barely know who Nico Robin is. And I read a bunch of one piece years ago when it was like sort of concurrent with what was coming out in Japan. And I don't know who these people are, you know? And so there's definitely newer characters introduced far, far, far into the series. All of this is to say I was aware Spencer, because you and I had talked before about how the animation is low quality um, and how the pace is super slow, because this is the old style of anime 
where you're trying to make a slightly slower paced than you really should story so that you don't catch up to the manga too quickly. And One Piece, I don't believe, releases an episode every week anymore, like they used to and did for many, many, many years. I think they have switched over to the seasonal anime format, which is now the popular version of making anime. So you're making about half as many episodes a year, but basically on the same budget, your quality is higher and you're not you're not being forced to slow the story down arbitrarily so that you don't catch up to the manga because you're doing you're making those decisions that are going to help the manga stay ahead of you in what you're deciding to put into the season rather than on a week by week basis on how close you are to catching up. Um, blah, blah, blah. So I think there's a lot of factors going in here that's uh, you're you are just as likely to think that this is super slow paced as Spencer. But I found last week when we were reading that the manga was weirdly charming in a way I couldn't put my finger on. And I found that like times 10 in the anime. I don't know why. Obviously, the anime has animation corner cutting. It is very similar to when we first started watching Naruto. And it's like the animation isn't that crisp. They're using still shots and low frame rates to get away with animating as little as they can because they don't have the money for it yet. Because this was a time period when even when something was big in the manga, it didn't mean that your anime was going to be a guaranteed hit. So you see this in One Piece. You see this in Naruto. I think you see it to a lesser extent in Bleach, and I'm not sure if it's because Bleach was a few years later and they had a greater confidence or a greater amount of money to throw around, or if it's just because Bleach uses a more sort of like neon color palette that gives the illusion of something that feels newer, whereas Naruto and One Piece are taking place in a sort of past world. Um, but I really thought this was great. Um, I also watched the dub for the first time. Specifically, I watched it on Netflix, which I think is the most recent dub, and I believe is the ongoing dub. I know that there's a sort of infamously bad version of the dub that uh, happened first and then has been redone. Um, But I thought the dub was pretty solid. Definitely a lot of recognizable voices. Um, I definitely felt like it wasn't as cohesive as the Japanese version. Like the voices in the Japanese version just feel right. These definitely felt like, oh, yeah, I know that voice actor, so I can see why they got this part, even if I'm not sure that this sounds right for me. Um, Except like Big Bertha or whatever her name is on the first ship sounded 100% perfect. Like, so, so good. I could not imagine a different voice for her. Um, But yeah, I just thought this was great. And in fact, I just let it keep playing. Like, (laughs) I ended up watching a couple of extra episodes because I was so enthralled. Um, I also found it interesting, a couple of the creative decisions they made. They uh, wove Nami into the first few stories so that she becomes this sort of mysterious figure that you're building to. Uh, That's not in those first couple of chapters. And um, they also took what happens in the first chapter of One Piece is a flashback to Luffy's childhood. And when he gets his gum gum powers and when he is sort of like, talking to the person that is his hero about how he wants to become a pirate. And they moved that to what the third episode or so. And so you, you do, you like see him acting as a pirate first, and then you get this flashback. And I think that both of them work, but I actually kind of think the anime worked a little bit better. Um, because now you have some context for who this person is and you can see where he came from and how he got to be that way rather than just sort of like, okay, who is this? And now we're going to time skip forward. 
Um, so all in all, similar to last week, I think obviously it, this is a great series and you don't need us to tell you that, but um, it's better on the front end than I remembered it being or expected it to be. And I think the things that Spencer is seeing are real and they're definitely there. And I just think that they didn't bother me. Like, I think that the things that were working were working well enough that I was able to completely ignore the things that weren't working. And I think for you, Spencer, your relationship to the series is so different because it makes me think of when we first started rewatching Naruto for this show and we're like, Oh my God, just fucking get on with it already. And it's like, I frequently feel that way with Naruto and less so now because we're getting much closer to things that I, uh, to the places where I stopped watching and stopped reading entirely. So we're getting, we're about to get to parts of Naruto that I don't know what happens. And, um, and these are parts of Naruto that were new when I was watching them. And so unlike some of the earlier stuff, they are things that I have only seen once. And so I don't remember them as well. Uh, but uh, for the most part, Naruto's slow pace is interminable because I know what it can be and what it will be. And it's not that yet. And for me, One Piece, I don't have that knowledge. I definitely know aspects of stories from way later in the show because I read them growing up, but I read them under duress. I did not enjoy them and I did not absorb them. And now that I do like it, I don't really know enough about anything beyond the beginning uh, other than the the odd trailer for it that I see that shows that, man, the animation quality has improved. But like... You know, it's still really good. I really think it's a great show, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, it's a great way to stay in shape. Anyways, um, so uh, with two suggestions from our Discord uh, as alternate ways to get into the series, one was suggested by Bruce Wayne 1988. It's called One Pace. This is, I think, similar to Naruto Kai. It's a, f- a fan project. It is not officially sanctioned. So, you know, Google search for it at your own risk. But it is in the same way as the official release of Dragon Ball Kai and the unofficial release of Naruto Kai. It is a redo of the anime when they were making the anime to be slow-paced and have filler by cutting out the slow pace and the filler and making it much more of a one-to-one recreation of the manga. So if you want to catch up on, I think, let's see, I pulled up the Discord here. So um, uh, Bruce Wayne says, if you don't have 500 hours to view 1,000 plus episodes, there's a recut version. I think probably we're maybe being a little hyperbolic there, but uh, there are a lot of episodes. And um, (laughs) I don't know exactly how many this is cutting down. You know, like if you have to watch... 15 episodes of this to get 20 episodes worth of content or if it's 10 to 20 or what but like it's definitely going to save you time if you are not the completionist or if you just want to get caught up in the most efficient way possible you can watch that and then booty stank mentioned that there's a podcast called the piecemeal podcast that is uh one in which they go through the manga he says that they describe the manga in great detail along with some of the extra stuff that you'll get from like the tankoban and so if you want to like dive into the manga in a podcast format, you can do that. And my understanding based on how he kind of presented it was that they've been doing it for a while. So there's a lot to dig into there. Um, so uh, one pace and piecemeal podcast are two ways you can get into the series without having to 
consume every episode or read every chapter on your own. Uh, if you're interested in those kind of like fan vectors as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, we also have our normal scheduled anime to cover this week. So Blake, tell us about something that's not in the big three, but man, I wish it was. Uh, And that is going to be Mob Psycho 100 part two. Yeah. um, That's so funny because Mob Psycho is great. It's just as good. It's maybe better than some or all of the big three. It's really good. Uh, it's uh, it's about a kid named Mob. That's not his real name, but that's what everybody calls him. He's a middle schooler. He's been sort of like, like internal and maybe even like a little depressed because he's, you know, hitting puberty and everything is weird and he feels isolated from his peers and he doesn't really know who he is or how he fits into the world. Um, he does know that he is an incredibly powerful, naturally gifted psychic, uh, to the point that he is almost untouchable when he really sets his mind to it. Uh, but because he's so sort of bottled up, um, sometimes that can be a challenge. And so he's frequently representing it represented as having a certain percentage of kind of tension, uh, early on in the series, you would see him creeping towards 100%. And once he got to hundred percent, he sort of went into like a supercharged fugue state where he was uh, semi unconscious and just launching like unstoppable psychic barrages. Um, we've seen iterations on this in the past, but basically uh, that sort of like bottled up self can explode in unpredictable, overly powerful and sometimes violent ways. Um, we also have seen him, especially in this second season really starting to unbottle himself. He has made a lot of friends. He has started to feel like he has a place in the world and like he has goals and things that he's working to. And he's just, he's starting to open up. He's a little happier. He's a little bit less repressed. He's a little bit less alone. And so he's really changing as a person. And I think that's relevant for these episodes. Um, There's a guy named Reagan who is an, uh, like a, a man in probably his late 20s or early 30s who works as a um, a fake psychic, essentially. Uh, he masquerades as a, a person with real paranormal activities, dealing with real paranormal problems, but he is mostly just a con artist that's helping people to feel better through, you know, uh, giving you a massage and now you feel less tense. And he says that that's because you're no longer possessed, but actually he just worked out the knot in your back or something like that. Um, that said, he is aware of the fact that Mob has real psychic powers and employs him as his subordinate. Uh, Mob is a sweet little trusting boy, and so he's under the impression that Reagan has incredible psychic powers as well and is kind of his psychic sensei. Reagan uses this to his advantage by basically saying, like, part of your training is to take care of this problem here. And in that way, Reagan is never forced to reveal that he does not have psychic powers by just pretending that he does and that he's not using them as part of Mob's training. And so that's Mob's job. Mob is also on the Body Improvement Club, which is basically a group of uh, lovable meatheads who like to work out more than anything. Um, And uh, let's see. Uh, that's, That's most of the stuff here. Ritsu is Mob's brother who... Used to be jealous of Mob's psychic powers, but has since developed some of his own. Uh, these showed up when they got into an altercation within a secret organization called Claw. Claw is sort of kidnapping young 
latent psychics and brainwashing them into a psychic army that it will eventually try to take over the world. Some of the strongest sort of head heads of the claw organization are known as scars because they are scarred in some visible way as part of their becoming a leader in claw. And uh, when Reagan or sorry, when Ritsu developed his psychic powers, he was kidnapped by an, a branch of claw and mob joined with Ritsu and some of his friends to fight against the scars and try to take them out. Um, they also have a, they have a guy named Teru who is an ally of theirs that initially showed up to antagonize mob, but has since become an ally. Uh, he's another psychic. I think that's everything you need to know. There's a lot of other characters going on in here. There is a character that will be coming back from the claw era. That was sort of a mysterious guy in season one that we didn't really get to. He's going to show up here again, but we'll just, we'll cover that when we get to it. So let's pick it up at episode eight. All right. So this is going to be episode eight. Episode eight has a weird name to it. It's going to be even then Tilda continue forward Tilda. <laughs> well, they, yeah, Tilda's are sort of a naming convention of this show. It seems like, yeah, this episode, this is, is dark, an interesting right? title. Once you get to the episode, the end of the episode and you're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This episode's pretty dark. <laughs> like, yeah, I did not. Dark. Well, it, it's pretty dark in like the last two minutes. And other than that, it is a charming side story. <laughs> and, and other than that, it's run, 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 got a train and run. <laughs> yeah. So there's this uh, upcoming marathon at mobs school. Apparently he ran in the marathon last year and he placed something like number 248 or something like very low. Uh, this year he is determined to make it to the top 10, which is a big transition, even for a year of time. Like that's huge. Uh, like running it's, I don't know if you're not a very good runner. I used to run cross country when I was in high school and I started out as a very bad runner and I was running, uh, like 30, 35 minutes maybe for a 5k and by the end, I had shaved off like 10 minutes on my time because I just started from zero and I improved steadily through the season. And that is a ton of progress for running. And if I had kept doing cross country through high school, I can guarantee you that I would not have seen progress like that. And once you get to the people that are at the front of the race, like it takes a lot of time and practice and work and conditioning to shave seconds off of your time like getting into the top 10 would be so difficult unless you were number 12. And even then it would be a ton of work, but anyway, he's determined to do this and he's determined to do it for a very sweet reason. Yeah. Tell us about, tell us about how mob is the best boy. (laughs) Yeah. He's just like, well, I did really poorly last year, but now I want to do really well this year because if I do, then I'll have enough confidence to ask out my crush, which is this girl named Subomi from his school, who I think we've seen before, but has not been a, a major character in the series. Um, yeah. And it's just so sweet because you're like, it, it's it's really middle school, but it also felt distinctly Japanese. Like there is a certain sort of like goal setting and politeness Um, And there's also a sense of personal standards that you get 
a sense of when you're watching a lot of anime of Japanese students that we do not experience in the same ways here in the West. And you just see this, like if he wanted to ask, if this, if Mob were an American student wanting to ask out a girl and tying it to his performance in this sporting event, he would be like, I hope that she'll notice me because I'm going to do so well that maybe she'll notice me. And, and you could see a version of this story that's like, I don't have the confidence to talk to her, but if I can overcome this sort of like sports challenge, I will. But I think in the American version, that would be so much more about how he's perceived by his peers. And in mm-hmm. this Japanese version, it's about how he's perceived by himself. And I find that to be really charming and actually kind of inspirational. I think it's one of the great charms of shonen anime. Yeah. Um, to finish this arc uh, of the episode, Mob is going to train, train, train until he ends up uh, he ends up running in the race injured. Um, because he had been pushing himself too hard and, uh, he, he does faint before he gets to the finish line, but he was in like the mid seventies, I think. Um, yeah. 74th place is what Reagan estimates. So he, he actually did a lot better. And when he wakes up, he's commended for doing better than he should have, or that they expected him to. And also they say, have this moment that were like, you seem like you, you're actually happy. And that's yeah. like a heart, like that makes me happy for him. But also at the same time, like, man, he just was so unhappy beforehand. That's so fucked up. But it's so, it's so clever because it's a teacher being like, you used to seem really unhappy. You seem like you are, ha- are so much happier now. You seem like you've grown a lot. And it's like, he has, and he had 12 episodes in season one and we're on eight episodes, the eighth episode in season two. So like this is this is character growth that has been happening steadily and I wouldn't say overly subtly over the last 20 episodes but you really it, it's not that it's not that you can't notice it but it is that it's taking its time he's growing in at a reasonable pace relative to the pace of this show but if you put him in this 20th episode up against him in this first one they're unrecognizable characters they look the same and that's about it like he's changed so much because of the things that have happened in the show. And it's so satisfying each time you see these moments. And I think season two has really done a lot to double down on like him as a person who is growing actively. And I like that a lot. I think that's one of the things that's making season two so good, but like, it's also really fun to have somebody in universe, like comment on that and draw our attention to it because sometimes you get swept up in the moment to moment narrative of the show and you forget like, Oh man, he's really come a long way. And he really, really has. I would also say my favorite part of this arc is Reagan because Reagan has also changed a lot. Mob shows up to work and is like making excuses about how he's not going to be able to come into work because he's going to be super focused on this running thing. And I think he even says to Reagan that he wants to ask out this girl by performing well. And Reagan sees something of himself in Mob. And he doesn't say it out loud. You don't know if it's because Reagan is inspired by his determination or if Reagan remembers wanting to ask somebody out when he was younger or what. But there is something about this that touches Reagan's heart. And he's like, you are not needed in the office this week. And in fact, I'm going to be busy helping you run and stuff. And it's so cute because Reagan used to be this like guy that would take advantage of mob and there was an episode not that long ago 
where Mob was trying to do something for himself and Reagan was arguing with him about him needing to do something for Reagan. Instead. Oh, yeah. And now and then you see Reagan the decided to fucking eviscerate him with words. <laughs> yes. And it's like Reagan has changed. He's a different person and he's in a different place. And it it's a super supportive place. And it is also that place where it's like he he's doing he's doing that sort of heartwarming thing where it's not like I want you to take the week off and work on this. He's like, I'm not going to need you. Like, business is slow this week, so go do your own thing. Like, it doesn't matter. And that's a fucking lie. Like, if he gets some of Mob's friends to help out when Mob yeah. is not there because he needs help. And it's um, it's Teru and Ritsu show up to his office to help him out. Yeah, and on a uh, related note to it, uh, Subomi comes in and tests Reagan. They don't know that it's a test while it's happening, but she's going to talk about her crush to see if he can like figure out if you, with it with psychic abilities. Um, yeah, because because Reagan's like her friend wants relationship advice from Reagan, and Subomi has come along to help out. And then Subomi sees a picture of him with Mob. And thinks that maybe he's somehow lying to them or manipulating Mm -hmm. them or something, which ironically he is. Um, But so she like tests him by making up a story about a crush. Um, And yeah, it like Ritsu is devastated because he knows that mob has a crush on her and is working super hard to like ask her out. And he's just heard her tell the story about her crush, which is obviously not mob. But then, yeah, she and her friend, like, leave, and her friend is like, oh, I didn't know you had this crush, too. And she's like, I don't. I made that up to see if he was lying to us. And the girl's like, well, was he lying? And she's like, well, I don't know, because the advice that he gave was good advice. Yeah. (laughs) Proving that, once again, you can't fucking con the con man. Anyway. Yeah, he's too good. Uh, anyways, this is all going to wrap up in a nice, uh, beautiful bow uh, right before it? the fucking most insane shit is going to go down at the end of this episode. Out because of nowhere! Show appears. Show a member of Scar. A very important member of Scar is going to, or Claw is going to appear. And then, uh... We are going to see Mob arriving near his house, and he's like, what's that in the distance? What's that on fire? It's his house. And he runs to his house, and he rips rips open the door, and his family is burned alive inside of the house, pushing him completely over the edge, taking us into episode nine. Show me what you've got. Tilda, Show me what band, you've got. <laughs> band together. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to learn that uh, that not only... Do a lot of characters from Naruto have the ability of Takno Jutsu to deflate a situation, but also <laughs> Dimple does because yeah. Dimple is just like, hey, whoa, man, calm down. Let me tell you quickly. Whoa, horse. Yeah, whoa, horse. Um, and it, it turns out that these bodies are a fake and Mob calms down and Mob also reveals that <laughs> the thing that's pushing him to 100 right now is obsession, I believe. Um, that's the that's the emotion that is pushing Tim to a hundred. Uh, I, uh, I think what's interesting about this sequence is that technically we don't know that, that Dimple is telling the truth. Basically mob is going over the edge because he's looking at the charred remains of his family. And Dimple is like, I can tell that these bodies are fake. They, these were left here to make you think that your family is dead 
which means that whoever went to the trouble of that has actually kidnapped them because they wouldn't have gone to the trouble if they didn't want you to think that and stop looking. And Mob Mob has this great moment where he like calms down. He's still kind of like buzzing. He's like at a hundred percent or at question mark percent or whatever, but he calms down enough to like come back to his senses and be like, thanks temple. I was about to pop off. And I really appreciate you like pulling me back. I think he even says that exactly. Um, and it's really interesting, but then Dimple thinks to himself, like, I'm not actually 100% sure. Like, I can't, I think they're fake, but I can't tell for sure. They might not be fake. And I'm not sure, maybe he doesn't think that to himself yet. Maybe he reveals that to Reagan later on. Um, but yeah, they're they're not sure. And it, I remember watching it and being like, I, I kind of can't believe that they would do this in this story. Like, all of a sudden just kill off his entire family in a fire. They're probably fine. And then Dimple's like, they're fine. They're These are fakes. And I was like, okay, that's what I thought. Because when he like walks in on the body, I was like horrified. And then Dimple's like, I don't know, maybe they're real. I was like, oh, you've got to give me some answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, this is the other shit that's going to be crazy inside of this episode. Um, not only is their claw coming up, they're, they're trying to take over the world. They're run by Sho's father. And so... Mob uses this new ability that he reveals that he can sense people that are close by and he goes and finds the scars, which are the most powerful ones we think inside of claw. And he takes them out instantaneously almost. And he's like, where's my family? And they were like, we were going to get your family. And when we were coming up to there, the house was already on fire. And he's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I also, I like his sensing ability thing because he does, he does this like sensing ability thing. It happens in a moment. He's like, I found them. And Dimple's like, I didn't know you could do that. And he did. He couldn't. What I'm interpreting this as is that he, in his, in this moment of like desperate need and heightened powers just developed a new ability. Like he's just so good at psychic abilities that he can pull new ones out of his ass. If he's been pushed to his limits. And I think that's usually a bad thing in, in narrative storytelling, but in this one, it works so, so well because it's always so character driven and this is just phenomenal. Yeah. So mob is going to uh, connect with some of the other kids that they were originally, he was, he was fighting against claw with a group of kids that, that were somewhat powerful, but not really in comparison to mob. Um, he's going to connect with them again. They're going to be looking for mob's family. And it's also going to be revealed that show who was revealed in the previous episode has connected with Ritsu and also let, uh, they were the ones that set the fire and hid mob's family as well as, I mean, Ritsu's with Sho. And he wants yeah. to defeat his dad, and his dad is hell-bent in taking over the world. And I swear to God, in the back of my head, all I could think about was his dad is a is a psychic version of the villain from Inspector Gadget um, <laughs> that I was just thinking about, man, he needs a cat in his lap at all times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think um i think it's it's really interesting that like show is pulling together a force to fight his dad at the same time that like mob is pulling together a force for similar but different reasons and basically like mob is pulling together a force or is being pulled into a force because show faked his family's death and so, so show is kind of causing mob inadvertently or in 
dis- directly to prepare to go to war with this organization. And meanwhile, show is independently preparing to go to war with this organization. And as part of his preparations is setting mobs family aside to safety because otherwise the evil organization will target them. And so he made it look like they were already dead so that the evil organization will stop looking for them. But mob doesn't realize that and thinks that they are actually kidnapped by the evil organization. And it's just this like really fun sort of like gambit pile up misunderstanding situation. That's like leading to the same conclusion, but through this convoluted way, that's kind of really like enjoyable. Yeah. They do a really beautiful job of storytelling with the show. Um, It's so good. Also, I can't, I cannot wait until we get to our end of the year ranking because I've been thinking about this show a lot and it's going to be high. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also need to point out that one of the most amazing things that happens inside of these episodes, we actually haven't gotten to yet, which is the revelation of the ultimate five. And, Man, oh man, I was just like, okay, they're going to be a joke, like the previous ones, and we're just going to be like, oh, they're powerful, but they're nothing compared to Mob. And then, like, the first time you see them battle, you're just like, they are so insanely overwhelming to a character that we know is powerful. Um, We're just like, oh shit, no, these guys are might be real, like, the real deal. They're so yeah, powerful, it, they can take over all of the fucking airwaves throughout the entire country for TV. Yeah, there's a, a dude who uses this ability to, like, usurp all the all the airwaves. And then they, they send this guy named Shimazaki, who has the ability to, like, teleport and maybe a couple other things. Um, and he just appears at a place where the prime minister is talking and kidnaps him, which also this was really strange to watch in the modern political context because the prime minister of Japan, not the acting prime minister at the time, but the former prime minister of Japan was recently like killed in a shooting, which is very, very rare for Japan because there's not like legal gun ownership among the populace. But some dude like made like did a 3D print of a gun and killed Shinzo Abe. And so like watching a sequence in which the prime minister gets suddenly kidnapped from a public event by somebody with ill intent was a little odd. Um, But yeah, so Shimazaki shows up and uh, they like shoot him a few times and he's like dodges the, like the, the security for, uh, for the prime minister shoots at him and he's like, you're you're not going to be able to hit me. Like I'm blind, but um, my psychic powers make up for that. You're not gonna be able to hit me Uh, or maybe he's deaf or something. Um, but anyway, he like dodges the bullets. And then at one point he's like, I mean, even if you did hit me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't do anything. And like, you see a bullet basically hit him, but he, I think he teleports. Right. And yeah. that's when you find out that he can teleport and he's like, Oh, I have this other ability. And he like appears behind the prime minister and grabs him. And then just like the background behind them changes because he teleported them away. And it's so cool. Such a cool sequence. But Teru, because they usurped all of the um, television and radio signals, Teru, Mob's friend, was alerted to the fact that some shit was going down and used his psychic abilities to suss out that there was a psychic nearby and has shown up and immediately gets into a fight with Shimazaki. And yeah, as Spencer was saying, it's a little unclear where the Ultimate Five are going to fall on the Mob power power scale, Because so far in the show, Mob has been unbeatable. 
there have been basically the only times the mob has been beaten are when he's had the jump on him. Like there are definitely psychics that are powerful enough to pose a threat to mob if his guard is down, but all of those psychics have ultimately been defeated by him either being aware of what their intent is and where they are and beating them by not letting his guard down or by him being pushed to his limits and him going into this sort of like superpower, supercharged state. And so Teru is extremely powerful and I would say has gotten much more powerful since the first time we saw him, but he was never a match for mob. And so it's like, he kind of gets his ass kicked here because he's putting on this offensive clinic and he can't hit Shimazaki because his teleportation powers are too fast. And so he creates this like perfect defensive shield and Shimazaki is just able to get right through it. Like no effort at all and knocks Teru out. And it's like, this is dangerous because Shimazaki is so much more powerful than Teru that he might be as powerful or more powerful than Mob. But Mob is so much power, more powerful than Teru that I don't know. So I'm really excited yeah. to see what happens because I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it leads to a great being left off uh, in preparation for the next time that we're coming back to it. And holy shit, the show is great. But yeah. with all that being said, we, uh, we, we do have to leave you at this point. We only watched two episodes. Um, so stick with us after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&SGetJumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden, episodes 157 through 162. Yeah, you've got to use everything that you know in order to use your power to believe. Because if you believe hard enough, you uh-huh. too can fight 
the unflinching hordes of people that are eventually going to have to fight against maybe just like seven people. You just got to believe hard enough, you guys. You just got to believe. I believe you. Nice. Hi, I'm Spencer. Wait, no, we have to clap. Oh, fuck. Damn. Fuck. Fuck. Damn. All right. Three, two, one. Fuck. Damn. Fuck. Fuck. Damn. Fuck. Damn. Fuck. Fuck. Damn. You know, when you got a jam, you got a jam. Anyways, uh, I'm ready to. I'm ready to go. It's the fuck damn jam. Fuck damn. <laughs>